Kratz, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of the Blackhawks Breakcast. I'm your host, John Janico, and tonight we'll take a look not just at the state of the Blackhawks, but the state of the rebuild with a deep drill down on four or five players and answer the question, are they potentially elite players that the Hawks can really rebuild a cup team around? Are they the kind of complementary players that you need on a cup team, or are they ultimately just guys? With me tonight are some guys, the usual suspects. Andy Campbell, how you doing, bud? Hey, folks, what's going on? JJ, how are you? I am well, thank you. Sean Fitzgerald, the blogger to be named later, also known as Sean Goldstein. How are we doing tonight? Tonight's uh, Brent Zebra collection with the three stars on the side. So the first of a few Brent Seabrooks. Nice and well played. And my co-host, partner in crime, is making a reappearance on the Blackhawks Rankcast, as hard as that is for him. Jeff Osborne, also known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. How you doing? What's <laughs> up, man? What's going on? I was waiting for you to hit the soundboard or something. Yeah, I guess I know. I don't think the, the soundboard's working. Year. But hey, I, I'm wearing this nice puck hockey wear. We don't want to forget about our sponsors and this puck hockey hat. Well, I was getting to that. You kind of bogged my whole script, but I've grown used to that as well. And last but not least, from the banks of the Danube River in Budapest, Hungary, a grizzled veteran of the Hawk blogosphere, a recurring guest of the Ringcast, and along with at White Sox history, part of the small yet vicious group of rink affiliated attorneys, Stash ESQ. How you doing, pal? I'm trying to stay warm, guys. It's uh it's a little bit hard these days. Try to stay indoors as much as I can. That's a challenge. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a challenge. But at least you know we have uh, we have some sort of semblance of fun hockey team to watch sometimes. So I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit deeper shortly. Yes, we're going to dive into that in a robust manner, <laughs> as they say. Um, before we get but before we get started. Let me show off my sweet shoot pucks, not people, uh, red and black flannel from the, from puckhockey.com, the official sponsors of the rink.com. Great people, incredibly cool hockey themed apparel and gear, including the custom rink line. And all of it is available to you at 10% off with discount code, the rink, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, all caps, no space at puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Check it out. Great stuff. Buy the gear. Gents, gents, and I use that term loosely. Let's talk rebuild. My belief is that the only real purpose of a rebuild, if you're rebuilding, is to win Stanley Cups. Um, I do think that there are some in the fan base, the Hawk fan base, who would be happy with the Hawks just being a team that makes the playoffs year after year. Um, people, I think, who don't want to go through the real pain that you have to go through to really rebuild the team. Um, but you know, I, I think this is a really good point tonight. The Hawks are playing a team that is basically tonight, a team that basically is a team that makes the playoffs year after year. That's Columbus. They've been in the playoffs the last three years. They got to the second round once. Um, and I don't think that's what the Hawks really Hawk fans really want to be in the end, whenever they, they get through this rebuild. Um, if you want a team that wins two or three, one or two or three cups and is in top four to six teams in the league year for six or seven years, then you don't have to look any further than the Hawks from 2009 to 2015. But you had at that time on that team, you had four to five elite players. 
you had Kane, Taves, Keith, Hosa, and probably Corey Crawford. Four of those five players are definitely going to the Hall of Fame. That's that's a you know that's a big order. You know when you look at teams like um, L.A. Um, and Pittsburgh, who also won a lot of cups over the last 10, 12 years, they also had that core of really truly elite players, not just guys that you have in a um, you know a fat hat on your wall and you think they're elite or you want to believe they're elite, but really elite guys. And then you need those several outstanding complementary players like the Nicholas Jalmersons, the Dustin Bufflins, the Patrick Sharps, et cetera, et cetera. So you need that, that group of people, Brian Campbell, that group of people as well. Um, today in the Hawk organization, it, I think it's fair to say you have one, maybe two bona fide elite players, one of which will turn 33 this year. That's Patrick Kane. And the other one will turn 38. That's Duncan Keith. Uh, Kirby Doc and Adam Boakvist are still really unknowns as far as what their true upside is. You want to think they'll be elite, but if you're really comparing them against the Jonathan Taves and the Patrick Canes and Duncan Keiths, that's a high bar. And we don't know if they're going to get there. They may in the end just end up being good or very good players. Then you have guys that maybe fall into that complimentary bucket. Uh, Pia Suter, you know, who's we've talked a lot about on the show. We don't have to, to go into too much detail on him tonight. Dominique Kubelik has shown that he is who we thought he was last year, and that's great. Um, you know, Calvin DeHaan, when he's healthy, he can be a really good complimentary player. Alex DeBrinkett, perhaps he's one of those players. And maybe, say, mm, Ian Mitchell gets into this conversation in a couple of years. But still, you need probably seven to eight of these guys to win a Stanley Cup, you know. So when you, when you hold these guys up against the Hawk teams of 10 years or so ago in terms of a truly elite player uh, and truly guys who could be part of that complimentary tier on a, on a cup-winning team, I'm going to throw some names out from our current roster, and I'm going to ask, is this guy an elite player? And then I'm going to talk about three other players, and I'm going to ask, are they truly complimentary players on a cup team? Why? Why not? So let's get started in our Typical season four rapid fire fashion. Um, I'm going to ask, is this guy potentially an elite player? And I have an opinion myself. I'll come in with that at the end. Um, potentially elite player in terms of on the, 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 the level of a Patrick Kane, a Jonathan Taves, a Duncan Keith, a Marion Hosa. Alex DeBrinkett. Sean, go. No, he's not. He's, he's a one-dimensional player. He, if he all he did, if he's not scoring, he has little to no value to this team. And you know what? Bring on the hateful tweets because that's what I'm going to get. But that's that's the truth of the matter. He's he's a specialty player. He can't create his own shot. He's got to be found. So I think he's a complimentary piece, not a elite player. Stash. Well, here's my thought. Uh, Alex DeBrinkett, I would say no, but he's probably the closest one of the group um, that hasn't won a Stanley Cup. Uh, but I also think it's a little, you know, it might be a little unfair to compare them to guys that are Hall of Famers um, on the team. And we've been a little spoiled in that regard. So um, while I don't necessarily think he'll be a Hall of Famer, I think he's still got uh, the potential there. A um, little, little concerned uh, about the same things that Sean is, uh, but I'm, I think it might be a little too early to make a ruling one way or another, but I think uh, he's probably the closest one in the group to, to be able to get to that point. That's fair. Uh, Andy Campbell. 
I will say yes, potentially yes, and here is why. He's 23 years old. He has a 42-goal season. We won't know how many goals. We could calculate however many goals he has this year, what that the equivalent of that is in an 80-plus game season. He did have an off year. He's got, he's got a, he, there's a flame lit under him. He has some fire. If next year there is a full season as a 24 year old, he has a second 40 plus goal season. That is an elite goal scorer. That's an elite hockey player. That's a really, that's a really good point of view and well supported as always. And finally, last but not least, gatekeeper. What's that? What do you think? You had to start with Alex to at first, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, speaking of hateful tweets about or regarding, uh, Alex Dabrinkit, that's what I'm going to be getting. Um, of course, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, I don't think he's an elite player. I think he's a complimentary player, and I think he's a really good complimentary player. But I don't think he's that. He's, he's necessarily going to always be that. On a good team, I don't know that he's going to be that first-line uh, winger. I don't know that he is. because He really has never been on this team. He's he had a good season, but he was never that top-echelon winger. He was second-line winger playing with uh, Dylan Strom and – you know, that's complimentary to me. That's complimentary. That's not elite. That's complimentary. And, and, and Andy did bring up a good point. Like he's got 40 goal season in him, but he's got an 18 goal season in him too. Mm-hmm. And he went 24 months with his, you know, scoring be, being cut in half. He was rendered, he was useless. He was a useless player because he wasn't scoring goals. He wasn't doing anything else in the playoffs. He was invisible last year. So I don't think he's elite. I think he'd be very good. Uh, there's nothing wrong. It's like the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Very Good. He could be the Hall of Very Good, but I, I don't see he's an elite player at, at, at the NHL level. Nothing's told told me that he's elite. And I, I want to clarify. I'm not saying he's elite right now. I don't think he's elite right now. I think he has potential to be elite. I just wanted to clarify that point. And I, and I think he could be an elite goal yeah. scorer, but like an elite player i don't think he can i think he's got he's got goal scoring talent and it, it's really really high echelon talent but well, i, I don't think it, he's gonna I, be an elite player. i guess it, it, i guess it depends on how you qualify elite i mean if he makes a few yep. awesome game appearances you know would you call that elite i would yeah i mean um, i would but you know is I, he, I agree is, with that is he going to the hall of fame i i doubt it but you know who knows but again, I mean, I, you know, we can talk about complimentary, complimentary players to Dylan Strom. I can find a couple kids on my son's eight-year-old team who'd be great complimentary players to Dylan Strom. All right, wait a second. You're getting ahead of your game. I was going to say, Dylan Strom's <laughs> got to be the next player <laughs> John's going to throw out because he's going to stir about the All right. pot. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Every time the name comes up, I get a little revved up. My bad. How so, you get revved up about Dylan Strom, I get revved up about Alex Dabrinkit, so. Fair, fair. Well, I um, – it's funny. My, my point of view on De, uh, De is kind of shades of what some of you guys have already said. I've always said about him. He's a guy who, if he's scoring goals, he's a, he's a great player to have, but if he's not scoring goals, he's a passenger. He's not a guy who's going to really make a difference in any other aspect of the game. And I, you know, I did a little dive into the statistics um, this morning and it's, it's early in the season, hard to say, but you know, uh, some of some of those tap-ins that he's had, I could I could finish those, you know, <laughs> you know, on my two hundred fifty dollar uh, CCM tax, I I could finish those, um, and I'm not that's not to diminish. He's having a good year, and and the thing about about Debrinket has always been, 
is that he's got that he's got that shot and you know he knows how to use it he knows how to use other players as screens um you know he gets it off in in, in sneaky areas and um i've always thought that a pretty good analog for him in terms of a, a players played in the league was luke robitaille um and uh you know, a guy who was not the greatest skater, but man, he could, he could score some goals, you know? And, and I think that as long as DeBrinckit's got somebody who can get him the puck, um, I think that he could get a lot of goals. He could be, you know, 35, 40 goals a year. If he's got an elite guy like a Patrick Kane, who's getting him the puck a lot right now, you know, I think, um, I think he can be. And so to me, that's like, that's probably a, a somewhere between a complimentary and elite player on a very good team, but he's, he's going to rely on others. He's not a guy who's going to go out and create all those goals himself like Kane can, like Jonathan Taves could, like Marion Hosa could. So um, good, good first round. Let's move on. Um, here's a guy I want to talk about because I was watching him the other night and I, I, I think he's really stepped up. And Andy, you kind of touched on this in our chat today. And you're, I think you're seeing some of the same things I am. And I, Connor Murphy, um, in addition to playing some pretty solid defense, um, is, is becoming pretty stout, you know, in terms of uh, what he brings to the table physically. Um, I think there's always been an element of that there, but it just seems like he's grown into his body a little bit. And I know he's going to be out now for 10 to 15 days with a, a hip thing, but um, I'm going to start this one off and say that I really think Connor Murphy is a guy who quietly is, is you know, making a case as a guy who could be part of that, that complementary group on a really, really good team. Um, and, and filling a role as being a more of a stay-at-home type of defender and bringing that physicality that across this roster they need more of, you know. So I'm, I'm going to pay. I'm going to say that, and I'm going to turn this one over to. Well, Sean's gone, so I can't turn it over to him. I'm going to turn this one over to Gabe. Go. Ah, and button. All right. So uh, I think he's a, a great player. I think he's a great, like, you know, middle pair. He could be a shut on a shutdown pair. Uh, I think he's physical, uh, which is what you need in this league. You need some physical players to complement all these, you know, jitterbugs. Uh, so um, I would like him to keep him around. I certainly would. Um, I don't know that they will uh, just because, you know, how they go in the expansion draft, uh, whether they go, you know, seven, three or eight, one, like that's going to make a difference. And who they're gonna, you know, who they're gonna protect and who they're not gonna protect. So, uh, I, I think he's really good. I'm impressed with him. I've always thought that he doesn't get enough credit because he's being compared to the guy he was traded for, and that was very unfair. And, uh, you know, I, would he be great to usher in these young defensemen and some of them who might need to become physical? Um, sure, yeah, I, I'd like to see him be kept around. I think he's a, he's good for the room. I think he's good for the young kids, younger kids than him. Yeah. Dash. Uh, I think Connor Murphy is a nice player. Um, I'm not, I haven't done a deep dive into his advanced stats or anything, but I mean, personally, just from, just from watching him play, I would argue he's probably their best defensive defenseman right now. Um, he's a nice player to have. Uh, he's 27 years old. So I don't know if, you know, there's a next step for him. So I think you're pretty much seeing the ceiling um, right now. So, yeah, he's a nice player to have. He'd be a great depth guy on a competitive team. Um, but as far as keeping him around and building around him, I don't know if that's the best idea. Um, I think the, the team should definitely be open to, you know, listening to offers for guys like him. 
there's a couple other guys we can talk about um, that are in that conversation as well. And I'm sure we'll touch on it, but I think he's definitely one of those guys that could land you some nice, uh, some nice assets um, or potential assets in, in picks um, at the deadline. Uh, he's a nice player, but I just, at 27, you know, he's, he's a good mentor, but I think he's pretty much at his ceiling. So I don't know, you know, I don't know how much that, how much you're going to get out of him. I mean, he's, he's a nice second pair defenseman on a really good hockey team. Um, he's, he's a top defenseman on a not so great hockey team, which is, I think is fair to say where we are right now. Fair enough. Sean. Um, I think you're going to need to keep uh, Connor Murphy around just to have uh, an established defenseman on the back end because uh, whether he's a lead or not <clears throat> in the NHL, you still need solid defensemen um, when your younger kids are getting acclimated to the NHL game. Like um, if we didn't have Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy, our defense would be in shambles right now. And I think um, that's just a testament to what they bring. And I think he, he needs to be around at least for a little bit uh, longer until the kids are ready to take over. And then you can, uh, you can trade him or you can let him go. But uh, Connor Murphy, I think, has been solid for them since they've got him. And I agree with Gabe. Comparing him to Nicholas Jalmerson was unfair. Oh, for sure. And that's, I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, and that's what, that's kind of the purpose of the, of tonight. So this is, that's a really good point because really you've got, if we're going to, if we're going to call these guys complimentary players on a cup team, then that's a, that's a standard that they kind of, kind of have to get to because Nicholas Jomerson never really has been an elite player, but he was a damn good complimentary piece, you know, on some really good teams. Yeah. And, he was uh, the second pairing defenseman. Him and Johnny Oduya were great right, together. Right, right. Exactly. So, Yep. This is good conversation. I mean, and, and I, you know, I don't think anybody's saying Connor Murphy's elite. Um, the question is, is, you know, can he, if he continues to mature a little bit and just learn how to, to play the position a little better, more consistently, maybe, um, and keep bringing, you know, the physicality like he has been, cause he's been standing some guys up this year. Um, you know, yep. can he be in that, in that mix as a complimentary guy? Um, and before I, I uh, prejudice the jury, I'm going to turn this over to Andy. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all this. I think these are very, very good points. I think Connor Murphy's had a great start to the year. It's a shame that he got dinged up and that he got hurt. Um, but that, that's been happening to him a lot. Um, you know, kind of these smaller injuries where he's out for, you know, a few weeks or a month or two months. And so, I, you know, it'd be great to see a healthy Connor Murphy on a regular basis. Turns 28 in March. I mean, you think about Johnny Oduya when he arrived uh, to the Hawks. I mean, he was 29, 30-ish. Um, and was a great fourth defenseman, but, you know, ahead of him were Keith Seabrook and Nicholas Jalmerson and Connor Murphy is going to need those players ahead of him. I think to be a value add in a cup winning team. I mean, if you put him on the Tampa Bay lightning right now or, or anyone else, or even the Boston Bruins for that matter, or some teams that are really gunning for the cup, he'd probably be a bottom six defenseman. I mean, he'd be, he'd be in the fifth or sixth pairing, I think is, is where he would be. So I think what, what will be interesting to see what Murphy's fate is it really depends on how the kids progress, because I think you, the Hawks are very, very close right now to not having a number one defenseman uh, in general. I mean, is that, is your number one defenseman still Duncan Keith and his years of being a number one defenseman are waning. So, I mean, you, we really need to prioritize or the Hawks really need to prioritize that one and two 
And that probably won't be Connor Murphy. If you're going for cups, it just won't be, it's not in his framework. He's a fine player, but he's certainly complimentary. Whether or not he sticks with the team depends on, you know, what Shawnee was saying, how the kids, you know, build up. But I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's going to be Ian Mitchell. We don't know if that's going to be Boquist. I mean, they didn't, they, you know, Keith and Seabrook arrived on the scene and certainly those teams that they played for were pretty dismal, but I, you know, I, it, it's hard. I, I don't know if those two will be your, your number one and your number two guys. It's really hard to see. So if that means you can move Murphy for assets or I certainly, you know, I mean, I, even at the trade deadline, you know, there's, could you move Murphy possibly to a cup contending team for a high draft pick? But again, then that would be like a low first round pick and you may as well keep the 27 or 28 year old who's a proven defenseman and just see what he can do. And then I, and I don't think Bodan will be a one or a two. I think he will be maybe a four, three or four at best. Um, so anyway, um, I like Connor Murphy a lot, but definitely complimentary. If he fits into the plans, great, but that can't be at the expense of developing a number one or a number two and, and finding better D. You know, I'm, I'm loving this conversation because it, I keep coming back to, um, you know, the, the guys that you need to build a, a true cup winning cup contending team are so good. And, I, you know, it remains to be seen if Adam Boakfast is truly going to be a number one defenseman or a number two. It really does. I mean, right now there's there's some questions there. Um, and so, you know, or is he going to be one of those guys who, you know, plays with, um, you know, more of a stable state home guy and, and makes a difference a la Brian Campbell? who was a complimentary player, you know? So we're just going to have to see. And, and certainly those questions are there about Ian Mitchell too. I mean, um, you know, and, and um, if, if Connor Murphy isn't, you know, that, that, that rock solid, you know, Ken Danico type guy that, that you, that I think teams need at least a one or two of those guys personally on their, on their back end. And, and I think uh, if he's not that guy, then they're going to have to find that, that guy too, or those guys, um, um, so these are really good conversations because I think, I think that there's a tendency when you take a guy, you know, in the top 10 to think, oh, well, he's going to be this, you know, he's going to be a Duncan Keith or he's going to be a Patrick Kane. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the, the road to, to really reaching that is, is uh, long and winding and has lots of uh, pitfalls. And um, so this is a, a really good conversation and we're going to continue it. Um, and another guy that, um, I've been impressed with this year. Um, and I, you know, he almost has a little bit of a feeling of, uh, of a, of an emerging, maybe William Carlson story to him, maybe not quite on the same, the same extreme, but he's producing some numbers offensively and he's doing some other things up and down the ice that are really good. Um, and he's a guy who's always had pretty good scouting reports, but he's, the production's never matched it. And that's Matthias Yanmark. And um, I would like to get you guys' feelings about what, where he fits into the p- picture potentially. Still a relatively young player, um, a centerman, um, can do a lot of things for your team. And he's showing a little more offense, at least this year, than, than perhaps he's shown yet in the NHL. So I'm going to turn this one over to uh, back to you, Andy. Okay. I mean, I like him. I think, he's a, I think he's a nice player. He plays with a lot of grit. He certainly hustles. I think he's starting to be more of a situational player for the Blackhawks. Um, you know, you've seen him on the PK. You've seen him on the three-on-three and OTs. Um, he provides a little bit of offensive spark, which I didn't think he would. You know, I mean, I, I kind of thought of him as he would just be kind of a bottom four guy and in a checking role. 
Um, but he has produced, you know, been part of, you know, kind of an unheralded group that's produced some secondary scoring. And, um, you know, I like his game. I like the energy he brings. He brings speed. And I, I think one of the reasons that the Hawks are, are entertaining this year and more entertaining than, than we thought they would be is that element of good skating. I mean, a lot of, a lot of these young guys, they are hustle players. And so, you know, they're, they're gritty on the forecheck. You know, they don't, they back check hard. They do a lot of the little things because they want to play in the NHL. And, um, and he falls under that category, definitely a complimentary player on a cup winning team. I mean, if we keep going back to this, still a third or fourth line guy. Um, and certainly not irreplaceable by any stretch, but he could end up being one of those players that is just going to be a bargain player for a long time. I mean, I don't know if there will be a bunch of teams willing to offer him long lengthy deals. And so dare I say cheap labor, but he would fall under that category of someone they could afford to keep for a long time. Sean. I think he's, he's an asset for you at Sean. the trade trade deadline i think uh wait did you say me you said me right yeah okay uh he's an asset at the trade deadline to be flipped um this year he, he thus far he's had the most ice time he's gotten um average in his career so um whether he and he's yep. only peaked at 34 points in his nhl career so um like andy said i think he's cheap labor he's somebody that if a cup contending team needs a guy that he fits his skill set, you flip him to that. I don't think I I don't I think the kid that the Blackhawks hopefully can develop or hopefully emerges from Rockford can fill his role, and then you should just flip him for a third, fourth, or fifth, whatever draft pick you can get for him. Okay, that, that's, that's my that's thought. Good on feedback. That's good. That's good feedback. Uh, Gate. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at Andy on the screen because I see Brandon Hagel racing up the wing and, and he said he's going to score his goal tonight. And uh, of course it didn't happen, but anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Mark, he's, he's a forgettable guy. He's a hired gun defensive specialist kind of guy. You, you know, a, a good team can bring him in. Like Andy said, you know, bargain guy, bring him into playing your third line and kill penalties for the playoffs or, you know, for, you know, that team like Toronto that just needs to get over the edge or whatever and needs some defense uh, to help them out, you know, uh, low and the lower lines. That's what he is. Uh, uh, Laz and Powers, I was kind of listening to that to, to them. They, and they were talking about uh, uh, Yanmark and like his five on five possession numbers are just in the toilet. They're like 30 percent for Corsi and all that stuff. So like his five on five numbers stink, but he's a good penalty killer. He's good defensively. And. He, he scored, you know, he's, he scored at opportune times when he hasn't previously in his career. Um, I don't think he can, I don't think it's something that he can maintain, right. but he's having a good year with a, an iffy team. And, uh, you know, that, that might give him a little bit of a bump in the salary area, but he, he's a, he's a guy that's, you know, forgettable. Um, and like for a team like this, I don't know that he was necessarily a need because, you're bringing this one guy in on a one-year deal. That's a defensive forward. I don't know. You know, he's just a, a spot filler for them right now. I don't. You know, it's not worth. It's not worth keeping him around for me. Stash. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. Um, he's got a two and a quarter million dollar cap hit um, on the year. Very tradable contract that ends at the end of the season. 
Um, you know, he's, he's got five goals on the year, which is really nice, but he had six the last two seasons, um, each of the last two seasons. So he's vastly overachieving. And I think that a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that he's playing on a team that isn't so deep. So he's getting more chances um, that he maybe otherwise wouldn't have had. And then a team like Dallas that was uh, in the Stanley cup final. Um, I think he's, he's a nice deadline acquisition for somebody who's serious about making a cup run and wants that shutdown guy. Um, I don't, I mean, he, he's, he's a, he's a nice player to have, but we have a bunch of nice players to have um, as far as, you know, five on five numbers. That's, that's a team wide problem. I think gate, I think the whole team is not really uh, getting the job done at five on five um, offensively, at least. So yeah, it's uh, he's, he's a nice guy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on the, uh, the trade wagon at the deadline. If the offers, uh, if the offer is good and uh, Stan should start shopping him around um, as soon as it's feasible to do so. So Yanmark kind of rem- I put him sort of in the same category with guys like Sammy Paulson and Marcus Kruger, who are worthwhile as penalty killers and, and depth centers who can win faceoffs. And, um, you know, good, you know, Marcus Kruger was on two Stanley cup teams and, and he played a role on those teams. And so, um, but I, I hear everything you guys are saying. I don't disagree with any of it, but I'm going to do a little lightning round now, real lightning round. So you got to make a choice t- today. And going forward on this team and say the dollars are roughly equal. Ryan Carpenter or Matthias Janmark? Gate. Uh, I'm a Ryan Carpenter fan, so I'm going to say Carpenter. All right, Andy. Carpenter. Stash. Carpenter. Sean. Just to be different, Janmark. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with you on Janmark because I think Janmark is a, is a little more versatile and can do a little more offensively. I like Carpenter too. Um, but, um, there you go. Um, but nothing Columbus. Yeah. Bo Dan, that was, what on earth was he doing? That's a shorthanded goal. Oh, yeah. He just tried to go hurt. through two guys by himself. As and then Kevin Lake and he gives up a long softy. Oh, I don't I'm trying to beat two guys and you're the last defenseman. I just, wow. On the power play. Oh, Kevin Lake in Bo Dan thought he was, uh, he thought he was Kale McCarr for a second there. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Take that, Mister Not many guys are Kale McCarr. No. Um, Kevin Lankinen. No. Let's, let's talk about Kevin Lankinen because um, you know there's there's a certain amount of uh, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for buoyancy in the uh, Hawk fan base around Kevin Lankinen right now. Um, maybe people getting a little bit out over their skis um, about his potential and and uh, career projection. Um, and I know we have a we have a gatekeep we have a goalkeeper here by the name of gatekeeper. <laughs> who will, will offer some opinions. I, our own uh, Ray Napientek, um, you know, offered up uh, a really good um, point of view on, on Lincoln. And, and that, that I think there's some truth to this, that, you know, once he gets through the league, start, you know, circulates through the league a couple of times and the, and the league kind of develops a book on him, his tendencies and where his soft points are, then, you know, some of these, uh, you know, um, stratospheric um, stats may start coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, so I'm going to, but I'm going to ask the question, you know, is Kevin Lankin in a guy who, and we've talked about, we talked about this last week, but I, I may ask this a lot because we're going to see the body of evidence is going to grow throughout the year. Is he a guy who, you know, is, is potentially the starter for this team 
as, um, as it starts to climb back into cup contention. Um, I know it's early, but let's, let's just, let's talk about it. And I'm going to turn this over to stash. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, my opinion is it's way too early. Uh, I mean, it's really nice, uh, to root for him and I'm certainly loving what I'm seeing. You know, he's on a hell of a run, no doubt. He's definitely in the Calder conversation, um, as of right now. Um, but I think the team's hot right now. There's, there's an inevitable drop off coming. Um, I don't think his numbers are going to be sustainable once that happens. Cause I don't think the defense is good enough to, uh, to sustain uh, where they're at right now, personally. Um, he's a nice guy. I think it's too early to tell. Um, I'm rooting for him. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to crap in, in the cereal or anything. He's, he's, he's really fun to watch. Um, and, I, and I mean, let's see what happens. As far as, as far as the, you know, goalie of the future, I think it's too early to tell. Um, I think he's a diamond in the rough right now for this team. Um, let's not kid ourselves. He wasn't the starting goalie when the season started, at least as far as the organization's concerned. I, I mean, I'm every, I think everyone's fairly, um, I think everyone can fairly uh, certainly agree that they had a, an idea of more of a three-man rotation going to see who would win that job. And, you know, he's been on a hell of a run and he won the job and he deserves it. Uh, I think they should ride him as long as they can. Um, but I mean, he was not the opening night goalie. Uh, there's no way that anyone anticipated him playing at the level that he's currently playing at. And, uh, I mean, I think it's too early to tell. I think he could certainly be that guy, but I think there's definitely a drop off coming. Um, I guess we'll see what happens, but he's, he's definitely fun to watch and, uh, he's an easy guy to root for. Sean. I think there's potential there. Um, he hasn't faced Tampa Bay, which is um, – that's going to hurt his numbers. Um, but there's potential there. Like, um, will he be the goalie of the future? I think right now, by default, he has to be. Because what what else do you have in terms of the system, in terms of – we know what Malcolm Subban is. He, this is his third team. Colin Delia, people reject him out as an, watch it, watch a backup it. NHL goaltender. Nothing wrong with that. There, there's roles for those guys, but that's what his projection is. And Kevin Lankinen, there's right now, it's just, it's untapped. We don't know what, what he could be. So I think he's your guy until it's his net until he loses it. And hopefully like playing teams by Tampa, like he doesn't lose the games on soft goals or something like that. Like if he gets beat, he gets beat because his defense let him down or something like that. Like, like it's not on him. I think, I think that's what I'm looking for from him and we'll see. I mean, he could, I think he's the guy for right now. That that's the guy you got to roll with. No doubt. Andy. Me? Andy. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a really neat story right now. And it's fun. It really is. That's great. You know, and I, I think it, it's nice that there's been a goalie that has come out of this group of, you know, who's, who's uh, more or less won the cage. Um, but I agree with everything that has been said. Yeah, sure. He's their goalie right now. You know, the sample size is way too small. How he will be remembered in Blackhawk fan f- folklore is anyone's guess. We might put him right next to names like Elaine Chevrier, and Bob Mason and Jeff Hackett 
Jacques Cloutier. Jacques Cloutier. Yeah. I mean, remember Ray LeBlanc when he won when, oh, he, do when, I. He, when he was winning in the Olympics and everyone's like, he's gonna be with the Hawks. We're gonna we're gonna win. Uh, you know, that didn't work out very well. You know, I said on our last po- I can't believe two podcasts in a row I'm using using the name Jocelyn Tebow in my arsenal, but you know, I mean how is history going to remember him in, in fandom? I mean, these could go down. These next few years could go down as some very, very lean years for the Blackhawks franchise. And if he's the guy during that time, uh, then that's that. And, you know, it might be a, a neat little, hey, man, that guy had 250 starts in the NHL. And that's great and good for him. And that's a nice career. Yeah. Uh, but he is he that franchise-changing uh, goalie? Hey, we are not there yet. Not even close. Yeah, that's a good perspective. All right, Gate. I remember you saying the other day that Lankett was growing on you. Is he still growing on you? I mean, it, what, there's nothing to not like about him, really, honestly. I mean, he's responsible. He's not too flashy. He's a lot like, say, a Corey Crawford was. Like, he's not gonna, he wasn't real flashy, but he was in position all, most of the time. He made that save, you know, when you needed it. I mean, how many break reads has he saved already this year? And I can't deny you can't deny any of that because I'm a big Calendelia fan. Uh, you can't deny that at all. I mean, he's he's played, he's earned where he's at, and sure, he's your guy until he's not your guy. And um, I think at least now he's he should at minimum be at least be given the the consideration as the backup of the future for right now. He, and he may be more than that if he continues on this you know historic run. And I'm. I know you were kind of foreshadowing something a little bit, but um, I'm going to, I, I'm going to do a special and I'm going to kind of break down some Kevin Lincoln and stuff coming up hopefully in the next week or so. And uh, you know, he, if he kept on the streak that he is now, you're talking about a year that rivals Ed Belfour's year yeah. when he was a rookie of the year and he was the MVP and he was, he was, you know, he was out of this world and things that goalies don't do anymore as rookies. Uh, that's where he would be in that same echelon. It's just not gonna. It's not sustainable. So it's gonna come back down to earth. But I mean, hey, if he ter- turns out to be a nine fifteen, nine twenty goalie with the Blackhawks, the way they give up chances, I mean, that's great. That is wonderful, and and there's no n- nothing wrong with that at all. So I think right now he's at least the, at the minimum, maybe the, he should be given consideration is the backup of the future. He might not be the, the answer down the road, but we'll find that out later. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I have I just I don't have a lot to say about him because I gotta be honest with you, I haven't seen um I haven't really focused on him that much and I and I need to do so a little bit more. And I, I but I do agree. I think um he's you know, we gotta see a much larger body of work. Um, I think before we can we can uh you know say he is or isn't. Um I mean, so here we are and I'm gonna just just chastise you guys for being so damn realistic. I mean um, I don't think we we have that 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 group of emerging players yet that we could say realistically are going to form a, an elite core for the future or that uh, that second level of very very good complementary players that we need to win a cup. So, um, I, I, <laughs> and this you know, listen, I, I totally agree. I think there's a lot more work to do, and I think you know, in spite of the relatively good play of late, because they're still, if you really look at the record, they're still six and eight. And I think as of as last uh, last reporting, they were losing to Columbus tonight. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, people it's, hate it's, people hate people really hate when you remind them of that. 
Yeah, I know, but but you know what? That's what we're here for. So I know that's what I continue we to do, do just because that's it our thing. Yeah, the so, reality of it. It's like, sorry, uh, smack you with a little bit of reality. Yeah, but you know, I mean, the bottom line is is that there's some positive here too, and we haven't talked about guys tonight like Suter and Kubalik because I think we all feel pretty comfortable that those are guys we want to have around, you know, and that, and that can really be contributors down the road. And, and we don't want to forget about those guys and none of us are, you know, but uh, our point tonight was to talk about guys who, you know, are they, is, is to bring it elite. Are these other guys potentially complimentary players down the road? And, and it's more, it's more the hard discussions as opposed to the slam dunks. Like, you know, Kubalik's going to be a guy that you want to have around, you know? And, and uh, so um Good, good conversations. And again, let's just kind of pivot now to the team. I mean, uh, since last week and, and what we've seen, um, any of you guys have any, have any fresh observations about the direction of the team or, and what's happening? I know Colton's getting a lot of uh, rose, uh, bouquets of roses, I guess, if you will, or laurels in the media for uh, setting the right tone with this team. Is that legitimate? Um, you know, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I'm just going to let you guys go. I think he, oh, I'm sorry. I, there, there may have been money under the table from Colleton to Patrick Kane in that post-game interview where Patrick Kane said, yeah, he's really got us going or whatever he said. Cause then once, once, <laughs> once Kaner mentioned that, then everyone's like, yeah, Colleton, man. You know, right. I, think, I think he has, I think he has Kaner to thank for that. I, I, I don't, you know, we don't know if it is Colleton's message that is, uh, that is leading to the surprise factor that is the current Chicago Blackhawks. I don't think any of us thought they would be competing in as many games as they have. I don't, and we don't know if that's Colleton. We don't know if that is young guys who don't care that there's no fans in the building and they want to prove that they're NHL hockey players. Um, But regardless, I mean, I, it is nice to watch a team, whether this is the team that's going to do much or not, that goes out every night and believes that they can beat anybody. Um, and I think that they do have that. And part of that is probably just this injection of youth. Um, you know, and I, but, but who's to say, I mean, I don't know if, you know, it sounded like with the, with the core originally Colleton's message was not being very well received. Um, now there's less of that core, um, you know, and Colleton has kind of worked up through the AHL and is now with the NHL. And I don't know how many guys he's actually coached in, in both leagues, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, something's clicking and something is clicking in special teams. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us, you know, I, if, if someone came up to me and said, Oh, I knew the power play was going to be good this year so far. I mean, come on. It was Taze that was holding them back. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, when God. people, when people do that, <laughs> I'm really ready to. I, I saw a comment on a thread. Somebody, somebody said, maybe, maybe Taze was the problem. And I just want I, I as I said in our staff chat, I said that dude needs to go sit in the corner someplace and hit himself in the head with a ball peen hammer for saying <laughs> that. I mean, that's the dumbest damn thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a little bit more on that in a minute. Um, we had a question from I gotta find it. Hang, hang on, I want to chime in on the Colton go, thing. Go. I think I think it's um, maybe expectations are. Uh, playing into um, everybody thinking Colleton is the best thing since sliced bread because we all thought this team was going to be absolute dog crap. And the fact that they're not, everybody's attributing it to Jeremy Colleton when in reality they could just be overachieving 
or that this is could could be who they are and we just all assumed they would be much worse and i think that's yeah i think jeremy Colleton did a really great job of telling kevin lankinen to have a 933 save percentage exactly <laughs> that is that is why they're where they are right or now. or we're going to be unbelievable on the power play even even the power play if kevin lankinen doesn't have a 933 save percentage right now this team has got probably two less wins and you're right back in what are they four and ten something yep. like that yeah yep. i mean and that's, people are that's calling you are. for his head at the very least, and they're saying, I, "Hey, does this is this the right guy to teach to these young kids?" Right. I all, this is all goaltending. I told Gate. Look, nailed it, nailed it. Um, I will say this though: the power play is just crazy. Uh, Stash, were you going to say something? Yeah, I mean, I, I have an opinion on it though, too. Um, maybe, I, you know, I'm not really thinking. I'm not really a big. Um, not a big, you know, Colin guy. Um, I, he, I'm certainly open-minded, um, but I think credits credits due in the sense that they are playing hard. Um, look, this is not a this is not a good hockey team. This is a, a, a bad hockey team that's on a really good run. Like, let's not kid ourselves. They're not they're not going to be in the playoffs and make a meaningful run in the playoffs anytime soon. This is not a great hockey team, but they are playing hard. They're fun to watch, and and people have been crapping on the word fun, and that this is a fun team to watch. Um, you know, all over Twitter, people have been saying, "Oh, fun, fun, fun." You know, it's not not so much fun, but they are fun. You know, they got young guys who are playing; they're playing their butts off out there, and I think I think Colin probably deserves a little bit of credit for that. Um, and you got a bunch of young guys who are who are trying to make names for themselves, and. You know, they're going to lose a bunch of games. Uh, there's no doubt they're going to get blown out in some games to some good teams, but they are fun to watch. And I, I think it's I think it's a little unfair to, to, to you know, crap on the word fun and, and suck the joy out of a team that's overachieving uh, when, you know, part of the reason that they're fun is that we all expected them to be crap and they're, they're overachieving. They're playing hard and they're, they're, they're on a good run right now. So I think it's, a little unfair to uh, to tell people not to have fun watching this team, and I think a little bit of credit is due to Calton for for uh, you know having these guys hustle out there and uh, making them play hard. Well, thanks for that, Stash. That was fun. Um, fun is the right word, though. Yes. Fun, no, I'm dead serious. My wife literally came up to me and then I goes, "This Blackhawks team is actually fun to watch." Yeah. And as opposed to last year and the year before that, it was yeah. more like going to the dentist. Yeah. Well, they've got, you know, they've got a lot of young guys who are, who are taking advantage of, you know, the opportunity that's being given to them. And, and uh, um, there's, I think part of the fun is the fact that you've got a lot of, a lot of stories on this team. You've got the Lincoln story. You've got the Bodan story. You've got, um, you know, the, the, um, the PS Tudor story. So, I mean, it, it is fun to watch and it's, it's getting a little exciting to think, well, maybe some of that's why we had this, this topic tonight that, you know, maybe, maybe there's, there's a future core emerging here somehow, some way or seeds of it. Anyway, I want to say something about the power play, which I've, which I have watched closely and, you know, gate, you'll remember this, um, yeah, Sean, you'll definitely remember, but I've been saying for a couple of few years now that the problem with the Hawks power play was that, you know, Patrick Kane would get the puck on the right half board and sit there and circle around and stick handle and everybody else would just stop and watch 
and the other team would adjust and close up the passing lanes and they would and they were just the 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 power play would die one of the things that they're doing this year is the players are moving a lot more and you know through through that motion that's just the puck but the players are moving and through that motion is they're creating opportunities and and you know, one of the things that John Tortorella did in Columbus with, frankly, less talent um, is he was left- Patrick Lyonne. Yeah, right. And ruined <laughs> Patrick Lyonne. Um, but what he did was, is he let the players be creative and 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 make the plays themselves um, as long as they were moving and as long as they were looking and being responsible. Um, and it worked. Um, and I think I think the Hawks have built that into their scheme a little bit this year. And I you know, there are wiser hockey minds that I who could break it down in terms of, you know, numbers and, and um, you know, plays, et cetera. But what, what I see is more, mo- more motion of the players as well as motion of the puck. And that's creating the scoring opportunities on the power play and they're, they're converting them. Um, that's just my take on it. Andy, what do you think about that? You're a, you're a bit of a hockey scientist. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that Power plays in general, I mean, it feels like the last, you know, the last five years or so, you you kept seeing that one three one. Yeah. And that's the idea is, you know, you got a guy parked in front of the net, you got a quarterback, and then you got three guys kind of along in the line. Um, and it looks like they're playing some of that, but there's more movement going on. I think a lot of times they've been having where they set up the one, three, one, but then when Patrick Kane comes around the half wall, they've got one guy that slides down towards the slot and that, that middle guy has become more interchangeable. It's opened up a lot more space when that happens. And you got have that guy in the hash marks, if he slides down or if he even backs up and he drags a guy with them, then that's when that cross ice one-time pass opens up. And I think that's what they're trying to spring for to when he's over on that side. And sometimes they key in on that. And when they do that, you see Kane move the puck down low to Strom like they did in Dallas. And then someone gravitates towards Strom trying to cut him off. And then Debrink gets open on the back door. So they're using a lot of creativity um, in that format. And it's been helpful. And I think that it, to your point, JJ, historically, it's Patrick Kane will come around the top of the circle. Guys will stand still and he'll look around and look around and then he'll take an ill-advised wrist shot that'll either go high yeah. and or right into someone's glove. Yep. And now there's been a little bit more movement and creativity. And I think that, that it's, it's been tougher to defend. That's for sure. Yeah. Anybody else want to weigh in on the power play? Uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up about the power play to add on to what you guys have been saying is, you know, you, you were saying that you've complained for years that Patrick Kane gets at these circles and he kind of hangs out and, and everything was slow and methodical nothing was moving quickly and now they've gone to moving the puck around quickly it's tick 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 back and forth quick plays yep and that gets defenders out of your passing lanes and it gets them you know it opens up areas for other players that's what we've been screaming for three years that they need to be quicker moving the puck you stop with the hanging out the point take the shot and then lean in a little bit and then pass it over to Kane. And then he circles around a little bit and he dances there. And, and then everyone catches up to all these people, closes their lanes down, and they can't get any shots through. This year has been the complete opposite. Yep. They've been fast, 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 back door, yep. across the slot, quick passes, and, yep. and it's been working. Yep. It, it shouldn't have taken this long for someone to figure it out. Totally agree. I mean, we've been saying yeah. it for years. I, Go ahead, Stan. I have the receipts. 
to, I have the receipts of, about bitching about that on Twitter also. Um, I mean, it's just, it was so predictable. They would just pass it around nice and slow and, and take a shot that would get blocked and the puck would get cleared. I mean, they're moving around a lot more, as you guys said, and it's, it's clearly creating shooting lanes and passing lanes that wouldn't be there otherwise. Cause if you got a bunch of guys standing still not moving around and, and slowly passing the puck around, I mean, nothing's going to open up and that's why things are opening up. And, and it, it drives me crazy that it's taking this long to figure it out because I mean, it's just, just maddening. It's absolutely maddening that they, it, they tried the same thing for so many years and, and just could not figure it out. And but, it was such uh, I mean, an easy fix. Such an easy fix. I think part of it was, part of it was Kane. Personally, I think that was part of it. Well, and I, I don't think it's just limited to in zone either. I mean, they tried to be so reliable on having Patrick Kane drop it to Kane and have him skate through a few guys and then right. everyone stand still in the zone where now they're actually making a conscious effort to have a decent breakout and even score off the rush if you can. Right. They, utilizing other players. It's well, not just drop it to Kane and let him carry yeah. it into the zone. Kane was getting stood up at the blue line sometimes and, they, and then they have to regroup and start over. I can't. There was one series the other, where I think I can't yeah. remember what team did it. I don't think they even got the the puck in the opposing zone because they Kane just kept getting stood up at the at the blue line. Yeah, Dash, go ahead. And they have a they have a, they have a they have a more mobile and faster team than they've had in recent years too. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that they have younger guys who are who are quicker and they can move around more instead of a bunch of you know. 35 year old dinosaurs skating around the ice. We have guys that can actually move. And that, I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. And that takes pressure off Patrick Kane and having him, you know, forcing him to skate it in the zone when you've got fast guys that can move and can help them out with that. It opens up a lot more options for him and it makes them unpredictable. And unpredictability is the key to a successful power play because, it, it, I mean, if they can't, if the, t- the, the team defending and killing the power play doesn't know where, where the puck is going or how it's moving, you know, it's, it's more difficult to defend. And that's why they're having success. Yeah. I, I think yeah, well those said, are great discussion. Um, uh, anybody else want to weigh in or can we move on? All right, we're going to move on. That, uh, that was actually uh, a topic sent in by uh, one of our guys, Matt Opid. Matt, thank you for that. And he had another question, and I think, I think we're, we'll just dive in on this and maybe close out with this. He's asking, you know, is Suter the real deal? And I, I'm going to start this one off. Is Suter the real deal or is his potential not that high? We've talked a little bit about Suter. I think we all like him, um, and I think he's been a nice, a nice, pleasant surprise. To me, Suter is a guy like mm, I wouldn't call him, say Patrick Sharp, because that might might not be fair. But he's a, he's a guy who does a lot of things well, and he can contribute in a lot of different ways. And he's a smart hockey player, um, and um, you know he makes smart hockey plays. And and uh, I, so I, I think I, I'm not sure he's a guy who's ever who's going to be on the highlight reel every single night, although he's had a couple of high, high, yeah, highlight reel plays this year. But I think I think he's a guy that uh, you can win hockey games with. And, um, you know, he's, he's going to be one of those complimentary players potentially um, going forward. And I'm going to turn this one over to Stash. I see you nodding a lot. So go. Uh, I just I just not a lot in general. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> 
No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Um, I agree with you. I think, I, and I think the Patrick Sharp comp is pretty, it's, I think that's fair. I don't think it's unreasonable. I think him and Kubalik are both in that um, first, second line winger guys that you want on the team. Maybe not, you know, the elite guys that we were talking about, um, the, the hall of fame guys that we've had in the past, but I think it's realistic to put them around that level as their ceiling. Um, and they're definitely guys that, that are fun to watch. It might be a little too early, you know, to tell what that ceiling is and they could both shatter it. Um, they could, you know, flame out, but as far as, you know, Kubalik and, 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 and Suter so far, I don't think anything's indicating that, that they don't have the ability to sustain that. And I, I think that's a fair comp. Uh, and I, I think, I think that both of those guys are, you know, probably have about the same ceiling. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see them. They're definitely fun to watch. Uh, they're, you know, part of that younger group that is kind of makes this team fun to watch. And, uh, and I guess we're, we're back to that word fun again, but uh, it's true. Yeah. So going from fun to no fun, Gabe. <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> um. Peace suitor. Fun. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I was tweeting. <laughs> uh, Pia Suter, I, I like Pia Suter, um, but I haven't seen enough of him yet to know re- really what he is. I mean, this could be another small sample size. Uh, he looks like he does, uh, you know, he's, he's not exactly the Kubalik type of player where he's, just, you know, he's a sniper. He's a power player, driver and all that stuff. Like he, he, he's just, you know, he's like a, you know, you know goal scoring type, but he's a guy who's going to play a 200 foot game. Seems to be pretty responsible on his own end for the most part. Um, He's he could be used on the wing if you need to use him there, or it could be used uh, at center, uh, which I think is more of his natural position. I think, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Patrick Sharp, I could see that you know where he didn't, he wasn't really elite great at, at one thing, but he was really good at a lot of things, and he was responsible to put him out there at any time of the ice. He could yeah. kill penalties. Yeah. He could he'd be on the power play. Like yeah. there's really nowhere he can't be used on the ice. And probably up and down the lineup at, at certain times. So, yep, Sean. Yeah, I yeah the comp for Patrick Sharp is is um, I think is right. The one thing I think Suter does uh, exceptionally well too is he goes to the net. He's always around the net. Mm-hmm. So some of those loose change goals that he scored, that's because he was in the right position. So yeah, I'm excited to see what he could bring and what he could be and. I, I have faith in the, the European scouts. That's the one area of scouting oh. for the Blackhawks I have uh, faith in. So 1-1. One, one. Well, 1-1? One, one? Yeah, somehow David Kampf just went on this unbelievable tear up the ice and, and dished it over to Ian Mitchell for his first career in nice. NHL goal. Nice. Oh, wow. Excellent. Uh, you think Ray fell out of his chair? Yeah, I don't want to – I don't think we should tell Ray what to do. <laughs> Well, wait until Dylan Strom scores. Then it's going to really be. Yeah, then I'm out. Then I'm out. Yeah, then then we'll get a bunch of expletives in the chat yeah. from Andy. Talk about talk about going to the net. Ian Mitchell just said, "I'm I'm going." Huh? Yeah. That's cool. Did he win his own? Did Camp win a faceoff in that series? Now that's <laughs> no, only it's not a three on three. Well, um, I'll let you know. Okay. But we'll we'll close yeah. out the Pia Suter love fest oh, with the unofficial president of the Pia Suter fan club, Andy Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like Suter a lot. I think the sharp comparisons, I, I don't think it's too early for that. He's a good skater. Eight points in 14 games is a really good start, you know, for your st- first stint in the NHL. I don't, I don't think what, what 
you know, can be overstated enough is the adjustment that a lot of European professionals need to make when they come to the NHL, when you're playing against bigger, faster competition and on a smaller sheet of ice. And so I, I still think there are elements of his game where he needs how, needs to learn how to win pucks in a more efficient way and deal with the space that he's given and try to create space for himself. I think Kubelik had it awfully nice that he had two guys named Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad that created a ton of room for him to get open looks at the net whenever he felt like it. Mm -hmm. He's not living with that luxury this year. And I think that that's been tougher on him. Um, But yeah, so I think, you know, I mean, if we're so, Oh, there we go. And it's Bodan. Woo. Two, one. There you go. All right. Um, Boy, fun, fun. fun. As soon as I turn the game off, they decide to go on a two goal run. Fun. Yeah. Two rookie D's and yeah. Mm -hmm. Zadarov's out there collecting pucks. What fun. Fun is the key word. Thank you, Stan. Um, I'm having fun. You guys are having fun. Hawks are having Andy's fun. just warming up to be like a color commentator. Usually, <laughs> usually Zadarov isn't collecting the pucks. He's actually giving them away. Yes, he, yeah. He's having or, or, he's, or he's trying to hit the, the boards where somebody was actually there with the puck. Yeah, and oh, and I'll tell you who won the board battle to get that puck was, was Pia Suter. There you go. Uh, um, so that's now. Now, kudos to Bodan. Serendipity right there. Bodan had an awful showing on that first goal against, and it's great that he just made up for it, which is terrific. Anyway, P.S. Suter, really like him. I, I think there's a lot of promise there. I think he's going to be a nice player. Excellent. Well, guess what? We are right at the one-hour point for this show, and um, it's time for me to end all the fun. And uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up and get on with the rest of our evenings and watch the rest of this Hawks game. Um, uh and you, any of you guys have any plugs? Stash, you get the uh, you get to, to lead with your plug if you've got any. I don't have any plugs. Um, I, I got nothing. Um, let's just have some fun. Uh, some let's fun. make the most of when we can. Uh, you know, when when they're playing well, let's, let's cheer them on. Let's hope that things. Uh, let's just hope things are fun and, uh, and 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 this team isn't a misery fest to watch like they were for the first few, couple games of the year. Uh, and. And, and let's just let's just keep going, man. Let's see what we can do. Sounds good. Yeah. And you guys, you have anything else you want to plug? No, my hair night? is all natural. I don't have any plugs <laughs> for the time being, anyway. Yeah, um, it's graying, but yeah, no. To all, to all those fun points, I, I think it's 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 necessary to be critical. It's also okay to root for your team. That's all. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah you you got to be realistic yeah. in your expectations. I think is the the key yep. that. You can't be too far either way. Dana, I almost felt like you and I were being scolded there. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm happy. I'm perfectly happy with what's going on out there. I just don't want no, people. It's to great. Think, it's, I don't. It's I don't. Good. Yeah, I just don't want to think it's something that it is. That's all. Right. Yeah. And that's it's the thing. And I, that was kind of the point of this show tonight was to, you know, the, this is what's going on now is a snapshot, and what we got to keep. I, I would urge Hawk fans to do is keep your your eyes on the big picture and the longer term perspective um, and where the team's going and don't get, don't get sucked into the yearly, anything can happen madness, but rather, you know, just enjoy this while it's going on. And, and there's a lot of emerging storylines and, and as, as Stash has told us, and I think, uh, I think it's good advice, have some fun with it. And uh, um, while you're having fun with the Blackhawks, please visit our sponsors, puckhockey.com and uh, pick up, uh, for example, one of these lovely, uh, shoot pucks that people uh, red and black flannels. I'm going to tell you something. This sucker is warm. 
There's yes, also blue and black rink flannel, rink logo flannel. And this isn't like cheap, cheap uh, silkscreen crap. This is like embroidered, you know? This is quality stuff. And uh, it's reasonably priced. Plus, you get 10% off with that the rink discount, T H E R I N K, uh, discount code at puckhockey.com. Um, so I think it's time to wrap it up. Um, I want to thank our guest tonight, Stash ESQ uh, from the legal department of the rink.com. Um, gatekeeper for uh, for dropping in and reminding us of his role in the rink. Andy and Sean, part of the usual suspects. Um, and to the rest of you for sticking with us for an hour or so, whether uh, it's live or uh, listening in your car tomorrow, um, thanks for joining us on the rink. Um, everybody have a great night. And go Hawks and have fun. <laughs> <laughs>